ain't happening. So we're all struggling. We're all dealing with the issues. We all got stuff that we're trying to figure out. And so what's going on is we're trying to, as a church, figure out what that means. And so just want to welcome you and uh, glad that you're here. Um, also, next week, we're starting a new series called Fearless. And so as you leave today, uh, you'll get an opportunity to get an invite card to invite somebody to participate and be a part of this next series. And, and really what we're talking about is all the things that paralyze us in life that keep us from being what God created us to be. And it's fear. I mean, there's fear of intimacy. There's fear of rejection. There's fear of losing control. There's, I mean, we probably won't talk about fear of the dark. I mean, if that's what you got, you know. Well, hopefully it'll help anyway. But uh, we'll just talk about all kinds of things regarding fear, so I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. Now, if you're here for the first time, and you're like, oh, great, you look at the notes, and you're like, oh, man, we're talking about money? I knew it. I knew every church talked about money all the time. We don't. This is probably uh, one of four weeks throughout 52 weeks of the year that we spend talking about our resources and how that relates to our relationship with God. And so it's not, a, it's not something we do every week. It isn't something we do all the time. Uh, matter of fact, we don't make it a big deal on purpose because we don't want people to think that the church is all about that. But here's the deal. It is a big issue and a big topic in Scripture. So to not talk about it and to be a follower of Christ or try to figure out what it means to be a follower of Christ would be a huge mistake. And so that's why we're talking about it. We're trying to figure out what the bottom line is, what, what really matters, and, you know, when you get to the end. And, and we've talked about several things. This is actually week four, a four-week series. And so if you want to go back and listen to them, you can go online and listen to them on a podcast. But, uh, you know, really, the, how we handle money, it might be the single most important statement about how we trust God or not trust God. It's that simple. How we handle the resources of life and relationship to God might be the biggest, boldest statement about whether we trust God or not trust God. It's that big issue. And, and, and we talked about things like it's a test. It's a test of our spiritual maturity. You know, one of the things that we've been kind of hitting hard as a church for the last few weeks since the beginning of the year is this whole idea that if we're going to be what God created us to be as a church, that we've got to grow up. You know, I mean, not grow up like... Uh, uh, get bigger. I mean, you know, that's one thing. I mean, you're going to, somebody's like, I'm getting bigger and I don't want to. But I mean, it's just this idea of spiritually maturing, becoming strong, and being what God created us to be in that area. So it's a test of spiritual maturity. It's also a reflection of the condition of the heart. In other words, Jesus said it this way where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So, so, so if your treasures are all tied up in the stuff and the things of all this world around you, then there's a heart thing that's going on that really needs to be challenged and adjusted. So that's part of it as well. It's a heart thing. Another part of it is its statement of who's really in control. And the first week we talked about it all belongs to God, which is kind of a weird statement to think about because a lot of times we say that, but then we act as though it all belongs to me. And, and, and when it comes to our finances, how we relate to God, when we really get it, when we understand how it relates and how God is, has entrusted us or put on loan to us all the resources of life, our ability, our talents, our treasures, everything that we have, then we begin to understand it's really all in His control. And so for me to fight that is to fight His control over my life. So we talked about that. And then also we talked about it's an issue of gratitude, and that's kind of filling into the day that... And here, here's what, what, what we're realizing about this, is that when you come today, and, you, and I don't know where you're coming from and what you're dealing with and where you're at and their finances and all that kind of stuff, is that we realize that, that the struggle many times 
to embrace this idea that we're talking about over the last few weeks is God is the one in charge and I'm entrusted with this and I need to honor him and all these things. If I'm struggling with this, it's really because I'm struggling with this idea of being touched or changed or transformed by grace that resulted in that results in gratitude. Okay, does that make sense? And so really it becomes an issue of gratitude that I understand that because God has done so much for me, God has done so much in, in my life and He's created so much, then all of a sudden I get this gratitude, I get this heart that says I want to give something away. That's a normal reaction. It's a normal part of it. So today we're going to talk about another bottom line, the last bottom line, and that is this, is that God rewards those who give generously. How many of you like to be rewarded? Come on. I mean, you like to be rewarded. And I buy tons of pizzas at Lansky's just so I can get that one free. <laughs> right? You know? I mean, I, I got a credit card that's supposed to give me all kinds of points, and, I, and for some reason I can never use them. I don't know how that works. But anyways, I, I'm doing it for the rewards, right? We all love rewards. I, actually, I want to give a couple rewards away here today. Let me see what I got going here. Let me see. Um, I got, I got a, a New Testament Bible. Here, if you are uh, a, a, a motorcycle rider during the summer so you can save a few dollars on gas, you do that all summer long. You're, you're like when sometimes you're riding when it's tough outside, you're doing it, you're committed to it. If that's you, just kind of wave your hand at me. All right? Yeah, r- right up there. I need a help. R- yeah, get it. That's, that's a book for, for the highway. All right? You're rewarded right there. All right, let me see what I got here. This one here is a, 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 uh, this is a whole Bible, and it's for the heart of the outdoors, the Bible sportsman. I was thinking about how can I give this one away. And I was thinking, you know what, if you consistently at night set your thermostat below 60, that's you. <laughs> right up there? All right. Okay. All right, there were several of you. You're, hey, I'm a 58er. Come on. I snuggle at night, man. <laughs> Actually, she snuggles. I'm, I'm already comfortable, but anyway. Anyway, all right, let me see what else we got going here. Oh, okay, here we go. Got another one. If during this series that we've been talking about, the bottom line, you've been like, man, God has really been speaking to me about changing my finances, and everybody should raise their hand, but I, hopefully I can only find one that I can give this away. It's a book on free and clear, God's Roadmap to Debt-Free Living. Great book, by the way. But you're saying this series has changed my perspective on how I'm going to view finances, and I want to do it differently, if that's you. That's it right over here, all right? Okay, let me see what else got going here. Another reward, five guys, burgers, and fries. Now we're getting excited. <laughs> the other ones were work. This is eat, man. Now we're in there. All right, let me see how I can do this one. Uh, you take your lunch to work every day. Let me see. There, right, right, yeah, right up there, yeah. Who, I, I can't tell who that is. There you go. You took your work. Yeah, there's a little lunch on us. Uh, here, here we go. Here we go. A little... Uh, Five Guys, Burgers, and Fries. Uh, You carpool with a group of people every day to work. A whole group of people. You you carpool with a group of people? I mean, you're not just telling it, saying that. All right, right over here. This is a Bucky's gas card for 50 bucks, so tell them you got it from Southridge. (laughs) Everybody loves rewards, right? Like, wait a minute, I want that last one. I want that reward. 
you know, I thought about the gas prices. I should have just bought everybody a $5 gift card. But then I was like, well, that ain't going to make any difference. So I bought everybody a $100 gift card. And if you come back next week, <laughs> lies, it's all lies. That's not true. <laughs> no. Well, we're glad you're here. Everybody loves rewards. And so, so the biblical truth, the simple biblical truth is this. God desires to reward us. That's, that's the truth. Matter of fact, God is wanting and, and longing to bless us. I mean, that's a big Bible word, bless us, that, to actually give us what he has. In other words, to, to really benefit our lives. God desires to do that. And, and, and so as, as you look through the entire Bible and the story of God, he's consistently wanting and desiring to bless those who follow after him. Matter of fact, Second Chronicles, I think it's in your notes, it says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I mean, God's just looking for people. He's looking for people that he might be able to bless, that he might be able to reward. He's looking for those. He goes, ah, you're the one. You're the one. Not, not because, you know, just randomly, but because of certain characteristics and certain things that you're a part of. You know, Jesus told parables all the time about handling resources of life. And often the main point of his parables was this, when we get to the end or the bottom line of life, will it be said to us, well done, good and faithful servant, or will something else be said? I mean, that's kind of what was going on many times. And so you find like in Matthew chapter 24, verse 46, Jesus speaking, he says, if the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there will be, say it with me, a reward. I mean, so, so it's, it's part of the biblical story. It's, it's part of who God is and how we're created. God created us that we would be in a position to have a reward with Him. But many times we, we, we miss out on that. We just kind of lose sight of that. And so today I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to unpack for us a few verses. I think there's like uh, 10 verses here, 9 verses. And I want to see if we can't learn something about this whole idea that God rewards those that, that give generously. And, and Paul, the writer here, what he's doing, he's talking to a church. He's talking to a group of people. He's talking to those that, that have resources, but they don't really necessarily understand why or what or what's going on with that and how God interacts with that. So this whole thing is revolving around this idea of giving generously and that God rewards that. And so it starts off, and oh, by the way, before we get going, and he gives three ways right off the front. He gives three ways or options or, or levels, I don't, I don't know what you want to call them, but of giving, right? And one of them isn't even mentioned, and that's the one where you just give nothing, right? And there's people like that. They just give nothing. They, 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 life is all about taking. Life is all about consuming, never contributing. If, if the, even the idea of remotely giving something away, there's just this, ah! I don't want to do that, and it's a nothing. And he doesn't even talk about that. And so he's talking about those in different levels that are giving. And so it says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. In other words, he's saying, hey, don't, don't let this slip by. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Don't, don't forget this. Don't, don't, don't neglect this. He said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response or pr to pressure. For God loves, excuse me, loves a person who gives cheerfully. So this whole idea that God loves 
the, the person that gives generously. And by the way, what God loves, here's, here's what it is, and I skipped over it in my notes. God loves three things that you can find in Scripture that God looks for in people. Number one, He looks for faith. He looks for those that will trust Him. God is looking for, and it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God looks for people that have faith. I trust you, God. God notices that. The other thing that God notices is worship. So when I worship God and I adore God and I love God and I affectionately come towards God, He notices that. And the other thing that you find in Scripture that God notices is God notices those that give. And so if that's the case, if God notices faith, God notices worship, and God notices giving, then I need to take heart and I need to look closely at what that might mean. And so that's what we're looking at here. 2 Corinthians, again, he says, so remember this, and I just read that, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Here's the three. The first one is limited. You can, you can give or, or try to give in a limited way, only a few seeds, sparingly. And really what this is talking about is talking about the selfish person. It's talking about the one who, who has this obstacle in their life, and their heart, that they only give a little bit, and because they only give a little bit, they get a little reward. There's only a little bit that comes back. And, and he's just talking about, hey, there's a lot of the, those of you that are in the group who said, you know what, you, God wants to reward you. God wants to be there with you. God wants to bless you. But you only give a little bit. You just give this limited, sparingly amount. And because of that, the result is really small as well. He says, so, so that's the first, first part. Really what he's talking about is the obstacle of giving that is selfishness. You know, because like a selfish person, they'll always find all kinds of reasons not to be generous. A selfish person will always try to give just enough to get by. You know, and I, I thought about why, why do we limit our giving? Well, why do we do that? I mean, why, why would I limit my giving? I mean, if, if just in a practical type thing, here, here's the answer that I came up because for many people, for many of us, the thought is, if I give, I won't have. If I give, I won't have. If I, if I give something away, I'm not going to have it. I mean, it just, I'm not going to have the stuff. I'm not going to have the resources. I'm not gonna, if I give it away, it doesn't make any sense if I give it away. And so we limit our giving, but really what we're doing is we're taking ourselves out of the reward process that God wants each one of us to be a part of, which is interesting. Crazy has been happening in our house this week crazy. Jennifer, I don't know what has gotten into you, but all of a sudden, every once in a while, Jennifer gets this idea that she's going to clean everything. She's going to clean everything. So in our basement, we have what I call, it's tubville. It's just, we, 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 we have tubs and tubs. We have green tubs and blue tubs and red tubs and big tubs and smaller tubs. We have tubs. They're full of stuff, right? I like it. I'm thinking, hey, dude, it's cool. We got them all in tubs. It used to be in boxes. You know, we had boxes and boxes and boxes and all that kind of stuff. But now we have tubs and tubs and tubs. Well, she had this crazy idea. She's going to go through all these tubs and get rid of the stuff we don't need. I'm thinking, well, what would we not need? We need all that stuff. Why would you mess with that? Just leave it alone. It's beautiful right where it's at. So she doesn't listen to me, and she goes down, and she just starts cleaning. So our whole basement is full of tubs everywhere. And so I go down there, and every once in a while I just walk down, and Tori and her were working on this stuff, and they, I'd go, what are you doing? I'd go, we're just looking. What are you throwing away? There's a little bit of hoarder in me. I go, what are you throwing away? And she'd go, nothing, nothing. I said, well, you know, I'd like to do a garage sale. I always like to do a garage sale in the spring. That way if I play for a little golf money or something like that, you know. And, and, and she's like, okay, well, so they start this goodwill pile and the trash pile and the keep pile. And sure enough, I walk down there, and, and the keep pile is like only this big. 
The goodwill pile's like this big, and the trash pile's this big. It's like, what's in the trash? <laughs> and so I had to, because it was my call by God to explore what's in the trash bag. And as I start digging through there, I'm finding treasure after treasure after treasure. And I'm pulling them out, and I'm making another pile, which is saying, don't touch this pile. I mean, like pens that still work. Why would you throw those away? Candles that are not even half burnt. I mean, people will buy those at garage sales. <laughs> Come on, you guys, don't leave me out here hanging. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so I have to. So then last night, we go, and, and, and this has nothing to do with anything now. I've just totally got lost on this. But So we're, we're down, and she comes walking up with these two huge trash bags. And I'm looking at it and goes, I didn't look through those two. She's already tied him up with quadruple knots, but I have a knife. <laughs> and tomorrow when she's gone and I'm at home, I will be digging through those black bags and make sure no treasure got out. <laughs> yeah, we laugh, but I just, I just don't like that. It just, you know, the whole limiting thing, anyway, had nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was funny. Limited. Second was forced. We feel forced. Forced to give, don't give reluctantly, a responsive presser. Or uh, another version says grudgingly. <coughs> I don't want to give. can't believe I have to give. Feel forced to. You know, it's, it's only given when you have to. It's, I know I should give, but I don't want to. You know, and here's, here's kind of an interesting thought on this, is that people in this category only give when they feel like it. And see, if you only give when you feel like it, many times you're going to miss the reward. Because feelings don't always tell the truth, right? Feelings aren't the, the catch-all of everything that goes on. And if I'm stirred emotionally, I give. But if I'm not, I'm not going to. And I don't know about you, but I'm not always stirred emotionally. Or vice versa, I get stirred so emotionally that I give when I shouldn't even be giving. Or, you know, vice versa. I mean, it gets all messed up. And so he said, hey, don't do it that way. Don't just give when you feel like it. Or there's another side of this, too. Don't just give when people are watching. Hey, everybody's watching. I guess I better give. You know, hey, everybody's seeing if I'm giving, too. Oh, man, everybody else is giving. I guess I have to. He said, don't do it like that. That's, that's force. That's not what God's rewarding. God's not rewarding this limited or forced thing, but he's rewarding the last one, which is freely. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and really what that means is generously or willingly. A generous heart emerges from a grateful heart. And really what it's saying is because God has given me so much, now I want to give. And see, I keep coming back to this, and I keep coming back to it again and again and again because this is the issue. The issue is, is if I'm struggling to give, I'm really not struggling with the giving side of it. I'm struggling with the gratitude side of it. I'm really struggling with this idea, has God really given me anything? In other words, I don't think so because I don't want to give anything away. In other words, there's a struggle with the idea of grace, not with the idea of giving. And see, so he's saying, hey, don't get to the point where you're trying to force this thing or you're limiting this thing because if you are, you're not getting the picture. You're not getting this idea that because you have received grace from God, because you have received love that can't be measured in what he did on the cross for you, because you received this, there should be in you a heart of gratitude that wants to give it all away. But some of you don't get that. 
And so he's saying, God loves a cheerful giver. So really what he's doing is he's pointing them back to this idea of what God has given them and what God has done in them. That is the spirit. That is the heart that this giving thing should come out of freely. So then, he, you know, so that's, that's the first part, that these ways. The second part is this, is the results. He goes into the results of what actually happens when we give. What happens when I give freely, generously, and fearly, fear, uh, cheerfully? <laughs> fearfully, you got fearless in my mind. God does a work in my life. How many of you could use a little God working in your life? Most of us. <laughs> this is connected at the hip to God working in my life. In other words, when I give out of a heart of gratitude, it actually affects my relationship with God. In other words, all of a sudden things start happening that didn't happen before because I'd left God out of the picture. Now I'm bringing him into the picture and I want him to be part of what's going on. And it's in the area of giving. And so he's, he's going through this whole idea that God does a work in my life. 2 Corinthians 9, the, the next few verses, it says this, And God, and God will generously provide all you need. I mean, all of a sudden he said, hey, if you just step up to the plate and you begin to allow this freely thing because you've received so freely, now you give freely, all of a sudden this happens. God steps in and begins to do something powerful in your situation. And so it reads on, then you will always have everything you need. You might want to underline the word need because it doesn't say that you're going to have every want you ever had. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, now that you've stepped into this, you're going to have every dream of want you ever had. God does that sometime. You'll have some of your wants, but he guarantees he's going to meet every need that you have. And you're going to have plenty left over to do whatever you want with. No, to share with others. goes on. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. God, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. In other words, here's the deal. God isn't going, man, I want to, I, 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 I need 10 bucks. <laughs> You're like, God, why do you need 10 bucks? He's not saying that. God's saying, wait a minute, this is the gateway, this is the pathway to your life receiving the rewards that I want to give you. This is the pathway that I'm setting up for you. If you would understand that as I have graciously given you all things, that I have poured out on you gratitude, a, a gracious move of Jesus and everything you have, an ability and talents, all that you have, all the things that you have. He said, if you would just understand that, if you would begin to give freely of that, I'm going to be do, begin to do something in you that will blow your mind. In your situation, in your heart, and in your life, I'm going to do that. So here's, here's a few things, just, and this is just breaking down the text. First one is I will experience God's provision. I will experience God's provision. When you give, God steps in, and he begins to provide all you need. All my needs are met. And, he, and here's the point. I already kind of mentioned it, but here's the point. For some people, they're always struggling, because, struggling financially because God has never been part of their financial picture. In other words, they've always left God out there. 
And because of that, it's never really gotten to the point where you can even see God begin to provide. Now, one of the things that Jennifer and I, we were talking last night, laying in bed, we were talking, number one, about all the tubs in the basement. What is going on? <laughs> number two, is we were talking about how when we were coming and growing and going and having kids and stuff like that, we didn't have insurance. Many times we didn't have great jobs. But somehow God always met every need. All the time. I mean, there's story, I mean, there's story after story that we can think, is that amazing how that happened? I mean, just all the time. I mean, here, here just give you an example. One time we, we sold a house and gave all the money from the house to pay for the heat and air conditioning at the church that we were part of, that we were planting at that time. At the same time, the city had this deal going on, Omaha City had a deal going on that you could buy a house for a dollar. Like, could that happen to us? So we bought a house for a dollar. Got a loan for 3% back in the day to get it all fixed up. Lived in it for five years and sold it for $75,000. What a deal. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Yeah, that's a good deal. (laughs) I mean, but the point is, is there's no way we could have bought that. There's no way. I mean, in a situation, we were just saying, okay, God, it's all yours, it's all yours, it's all yours. I believe, looking back over the pathway of our lives, I can see again and again and again that God just did that right there. He showed me, and I experienced His provision again and again and again. The question is, and here's a question, when it comes to comparing your ability and God's ability to handle your finances, who rocks? Yeah, I <laughs> It's, it's a no contest. It's, it's not even a close comparison. Comparing God's ability to handle the resource and meet the needs of my life versus me trying to meet the needs of my life, it's no comparison. But yet we try it all the time. And so that's the first one. Second one is this, as I experience God's expansion. In other words, it says in the text, He will provide and increase your resources. The resources of my life, because I begin to do it God's way, actually begin to grow larger. That's what happens. That's the natural outflow. Second one is the experience, is I experience, or third one, I experience spiritual formation. It produces a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, I become spiritually more and more like Christ through the practice of giving generously. It develops me spiritually. In other words, I begin to trust more because I'm part of this. God is doing this work in me and through me. I grow up spiritually. The next one is I experience the responsibility and the opportunity to give more. Now that he's given me more, because it says in Scripture again and again and again, it says when more is given, more is expected. In other words, now I'm in a position that, man, I'm just not going to do a little bit. I can do a lot for God. And so this whole idea, and this is, by the way, I've been reading different books through this whole series. The one that catches my attention is people that understand that if they make a million dollars, they could still live on a very small amount, and that means that they have 900 and some thousand dollars to give away. People do that. Like, what? Why would they not buy the yacht? <laughs> Why would they not buy that house that everybody else is dreaming about? It's because they understand this. That God rewards that. Otherwise, then I have my reward, Scripture says. You will be enriched in every way, so you can always have, be generous. Last one is, I will, be, I will experience a future reward in heaven. Their good deeds will be remembered 
forever. It's like God is saying this, I see you. And when you come to my place, we're going to have a party. Yeah, because of what you've been doing. I see you. I see you giving. Man, you are going crazy. I see you, and we're going to have a party when you come to my place. And in my mind, I, I kind of see it like this way. You know, it's, you know, God's got it all set up. It's, you know, balloons are flying, and, you know, got all this kind of stuff and everything else. And people are lined up in a big row, all the people that I've had some impact in, hopefully, hopefully. You know, and, and, and so I, all that, I get to heaven and some announcer, you know, kind of like a Wheel of Fortune announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, Troy Vandermint. And I come running in and I'm high-fiving people. They're like, yeah, you gave, I'm here, you gave, I'm here. I'm like, yeah, I'm high-fiving. I get close and there's Jesus and he goes, you're the man. I'm going, no, you're the man. And he's, you know, we're... <laughs> Maybe not quite, but I mean, you know, you know, I just see what I say. Yeah, hey, hey. But, but this whole idea, I mean, it, there's a reward coming later because of what I did now. And God's going to notice it. He does notice it. And he, I see you, and I won't forget about it. And when you get here, we're going to celebrate. And so that's a big part of it. Forever it's going to be remembered. The second part, second side of this is this. So God's going to do something cool in my life. But then God is going to use my life as conduit. He's going to use me as a vessel, as an instrument, as a, as a channel, whatever word you want to put in there that says God's going to flow through me for others. 2 Corinthians 9, next few verses says, When they take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And so two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. In other words, people's needs get met. By the way, this is how it's supposed to work. The government isn't supposed to do meeting needs. Church is. We're supposed to be doing that. I mean, but, but we've missed this. We've lost this. And so somehow we've got to, Lord, help us to see this reward that comes with this and the purpose of what we're doing. The needs of believers, Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give God, give glory to God for your generosity to, the, generosity to them and to all the believers to all, the believe, to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. There's that word again. <laughs> in other words, they experience what you experience and it creates a snowball. All of a sudden now it's happening in them too. And so what's taking place in your life because of your giving generosity, now it becomes contagious, now it becomes an effect on somebody else, and it happens again, and it happens again, and it happens again. God is wanting to do that. That's the reward. But so many times we just limit and we feel forced and we don't give freely and we miss it. Last thing, so what does God want to reward? I mean, so what does God reward when it comes to our giving? Here's what it is, real quickly, four of them. Is God rewards us when we give the first part of our increase as a statement of ownership. Like, what, what is that? God rewards us when we give the first part of our increase as a statement of ownership. In other words, it goes back to it all belongs to God. And this is where you get the first 10% is a testimony or it's a statement of God's ownership over it all. In other words, God, from the very beginning, I'm recognizing it's all yours. That's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start right there. Every week when I come to church, I'm going to recognize it's all yours with the first 10%. That's what I'm going to do. Like, pff, well, I don't know about that. Well, it's, 
It's all through Scripture. I mean, you can, you can pull it out. Like, here's a verse that says in Malachi, I, I am the Lord God. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse, which is the, the local church, so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with what? Blessing after blessing. It's the point of entrance with God. This is where it starts. This is where it happens. And you're like, well, that, there you go. I knew the church. No, it's not about the church. It's about us in reward relationship with God. That's, that's what's going on here. Second one is this. God rewards us when we give as a decision of obedience. God rewards when we give as a decision of obedience. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Sometimes the Spirit of God impresses upon our spirit and our minds that we are to help someone or give a specific amount to a project. And at that moment, giving is all about obedience. And God sees that and He rewards that. He rewards that. It's a decision to listen. What does God want me to give? And a lot of times when you read that text, the first thing you go, well, if it's my decision, I'm going to give a dollar. Here's my dollar. But if you ask and say, God, what do you want to give? And I'm going to base my decision on your will, not my will, not my understanding, not my desires, but your desires, because that's where I'm at. I'm no longer mine. I'm yours. Then all of a sudden, the decision becomes really all about obedience, not about whatever I want to do. And I'm, I'm cool with that because I'm grateful for what I have and where I'm at. Third one, God rewards us when we give out of abundance. It says in our text, plenty left over to share with others. Plenty left over. See, the normal or common response to abundance is there's more for me, but really this is maybe the greatest test of all because when I have more, what do I do with the more? Do I go greedy <laughs> or do I sow or plant or give towards a need? What do I do? Because we remember, God wants me to be a river, not a reservoir. Fourth one is this. God rewards us when we give as an act of sacrifice. Let me just say this, and hopefully you'll still love me or like me or at least put up with me. I don't know that we know much about this when it comes to American giving. I've ran into all kinds of people. Matter of fact, we used to have a lot of students when we were at the church in North Omaha that we started that were from Botswana. They put our giving away. They put us, they made us look like we didn't have a clue. You know why? Because they would go and they would work, 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 and they would give it all <laughs> to the work of the kingdom. I'm like, like well, and to them it was like, well, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, you have this opportunity. God's put you in this position. And I believe this. I believe that God's seen or sees their giving in sacrifice, and it's the pinnacle of what's going on. It's the pinnacle of what's going on. You see, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, God, is there a sacrifice that you're wanting me to make? Because God rewards sacrifice. Some of the greatest deliverances, greatest moments with God throughout the Bible is when the greatest sacrifice came out. And see, a lot of us, we're wanting God to do something. We want to meet God. We want to see God. We want to experience God at levels and ways we've never done. But we're not willing to give sacrificially to ever see it happen. And really what that means is I'm giving up my needs I'm giving up my wants. I'm giving it up so that God could somehow have his way. It's big. It's crazy. It's aggressive. Luke 21 says all these people, Jesus watching actually people giving in the temple. He said all these people gave gifts out of their wealth. But she, talking about an older lady that gave two little coins, 
She gave out of her poverty and put all she had to live on. Sacrifice. God notices that. He rewards that. So, real close, as the worship team comes, and we wrap this bad boy up. So what do I give towards? What do I give towards? What do you give towards? Here's, here's an answer. I don't think I put it in notes, but here's what you give towards. Give to make, give to make the greatest possible impact for the kingdom of God. That's what you give towards. So where's God doing this greatest amount of work at right now? Local church. That's number one. Number two is I give towards missions-type works around the world and compassion. I give towards those things. Number three, and it might be two and three get reversed depending on the need, is I give to the family of God or I give to my family. All right? Because here's what it says in Scripture. It says in Scripture that if you don't take care of your family and they have need, you are worse than an unbeliever. <coughs> you didn't realize why you had what you had. So you've got to take care of those around you first and foremost. So if you see people in need around you, especially in the family of God, especially in your own family, you've got to take care of them. That's part of the giving. Local church, special projects, missions. By the way, I want to challenge you. Here's the challenge. For the next 90 days, if you've never, ever, ever tied. Last year I did this. I had a guy come up to me a few weeks ago and he said, hey, remember when you did that tie thing last year? I said, yeah. I thought he was saying, it didn't work. But he said, no, man, this thing rocked. I said, really? Tell me about it. And so he starts to tell the story. He said, at that time, I, I barely had a job. Started tithing, all of a sudden I had a job. Then, I, then I, I started giving towards some other things, and all of a sudden my wife, who couldn't get pregnant, got pregnant. I'm like, okay, where's this going? And so he said, man, that's cool. I said, well, okay, awesome. And I might be getting it backwards here. Then he said, I got another job. I said, what'd you do then? He said, I kept tithing. I kept doing it. He said, man, I'm just looking forward to see what's going to happen next. Because all of a sudden, and this is just in our church, in the last 12 months, he accepted this 90-day challenge to see if God would actually do something when I did it. So do that. Other one is that when we do special offerings, like special projects, missions, we give towards missions every first Wednesday, Project 100, if you've never given to Project 100, I challenge you. Jennifer and I give every month to Project 100. Why? Because I want to I give towards the future of what God is going to do through this church. I mean, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. So, last thing. Maybe you've never, ever, ever experienced God's grace. Maybe when I'm talking about giving and this whole time, you're like, is he done yet? Because I got to, man. I got five bucks from burgers and fries or whatever. I got I get, get going. And, and you've never experienced grace. Here's what it means. It means this. Is God seen you, sees you and I in a bad situation. It's what sin does. God says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm actually going to come after you. And so he sends his son, perfect son, comes and he takes our place on a cross dies for me he gives his life he generously gives his life for somebody that didn't deserve it that's grace all you have to do is say God I, I don't deserve it I've really blown it I'm a sinner and I, I've made crazy mistakes I've rebelled against you and I say God would you forgive me and may I be able to accept fully the grace that you're trying to give me Maybe you've never done that because it's the starting. 
Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Troy, I've never experienced this grace you're talking about. I've never come to God and said, God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe that you've paid my price. And I want to acknowledge you as the Lord of my life, as the ruler of my life. That's what I need to do desperately today. I need you to do a work in my heart. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me so I know where you're at? Yeah, yeah. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their, raised their hand this morning that said, God, I need grace. I don't deserve it. I know it. I need forgiveness. I can't earn it. I just receive it. And so, Lord, what you did on the cross for me, God, in love and passion, I accept right now. Forgive me and may my life be totally new as I surrender everything I am to you. In Jesus' name.